Good. If you're saved, then you know it. Say amen. Um, I'm going to sit again today because it was good for my voice. Um, I want to read an article to you that I thumbed through on Facebook and found, and I want to read this to you. Did you know we are the answer? We are the answer. You are Emmanuel. Did you know that? I don't mean that to be uh, any kind of, in any way sacrilegious or meaning that, that uh, you are Jesus, but you really are Jesus to the earth. As he is, so are we to this world, 1 John 4, 17. That we are the love that people see. We are the living epistles read and known of all men, right? We are the ministry of reconciliation. We, we really are. And we gotta, we, we've got to remind ourselves, we've got to keep that in mind. And I, I just believe that we are, the, we are the salt and the light, and we need to keep stirring ourselves up uh, to shine and preserve. Amen? Uh, this is a Fox News article, and it, was, it's a, it just came out. I, I like that I'm seeing some good articles coming through on my Facebook feed, whatever. From Fox, I like that. Okay, is that all right? Uh, this lady wrote this article. She says, my most re recent article about the Parkland school shooting and its connection to fatherless prom prompted a tsunami of emails. The subject of the desperate cry of American boys is a difficult one. To point out the boys need their fathers is to shine a spotlight on divorce and single mothers. That is admittedly uncomfortable. But there's no way to address fatherlessness comfortably. The fact is, divorce and family breakdown, to which, to answer my emailer's question, is the root of fatherlessness. And it's catastrophic for children. There's more than one reason why, but an obvious one is that in the majority of cases, divorce separates children from their fathers. Uh, she goes on, more often than not, children lose contact with their fathers for two reasons. One, mothers remain the default custodial parent in the average American divorce and thus retain most of the control. Second, it's usually women who consider themselves the aggrieved party there and as evidenced by the fact that wives initiate 70% of divorces. The unfortunate result is that some divorced mothers use any opportunity to undermine their children's relationship with their father or, if not that, dismiss the significance of a father's role. In 2016, when Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt were getting divorced, Jolie actually said it never crossed her mind that her son would meet a father. That may be an extreme example, but it's not something anyone, Hollywood star or regular person, would have thought, let alone said, 20 years ago. When boys don't have this model, they suffer, and when they suffer, society suffers. A majority of school shooters came from fatherless homes. In a study of older male shooters like Steve Paddock of the Las Vegas Massacre produced the same results. Indeed, the consequences of fatherlessness are simply staggering, and the saddest part is the most absent fathers aren't absent by choice. The deadbeat dad does exist, but not in spades. In most instances, or many, women are divorcing per uh, perfectly good husbands 
This is her opinion. She's writing the article, not me. <laughs> Women are divorcing per perfectly good husbands in their search for what they believe will be a better match, which is the natural outgrowth of no-fault divorce. Anyway, isn't this crazy? Uh, my point is not, uh, I'm not pre it's not Father's Day, I'm not preaching on fatherlessness. My, my point is, is that we are the answer. And, and I, I got to thinking, you know, there's a reason even the Boy Scouts has been sabotaged. And I don't know, I grew up Assembly of God, and that's not a bad thing. We had Royal Rangers, and, and I, I got to thinking that, you know, maybe some of us men are being called to something like this. Do we realize that home after home after home when we drive through a neighborhood is producing divorce and producing fatherlessness and producing boys without dads? And do we realize we're the answer? The television is not the answer. Xbox is not the answer. PlayStation is not the answer. More than 4,000 TV channels is not the answer. Do you have any... I am I'm so confused. I'm so, as you know, we just moved. I'm so confused. We had Comcast at the other house, of which uh, uh, frequently, infrequently, you know, once in a while, we would watch a Seahawks game. Uh, I wasn't even good at figuring out how to find the Christian music station. Because a few years ago, they added 5,000 new channels or something, and they moved it way up into orbit somewhere. It used to be... And they went to digital TV. Now am I confused. I'm telling you what. At Ryan and Jasmine's house, they have 5,000 channels. They would leave the house, and I would try to figure out how to operate. I mean, you got Netflix. You got Sling. You got... And now I have this problem at my house. I can't even operate my television. And they're telling me now television is actually just a bunch of apps. You just pick the apps and download stuff. I'm like, I'm apt to shut it off. <laughs> this is not the answer. This is not the answer for America. Television is not the answer for America. Game stations are not the answer for America. You know who the answer is for America? They're sitting right here. They're sitting right here. And this is why if the enemy can keep us from forming an effective body like what we have right here. If you look to your left and you look to your right, if, if the enemy can keep us from being a team that will be effective, if the enemy can keep us from outreach, if the enemy can keep us from uh, rescue, if the enemy can keep us, if the enemy can keep us from Royal Rangers, why not have a Royal Rangers? Well, that's Assembly of God. Who cares? They'll sell it to anybody. <laughs> By the curriculum. I like Assembly of God. Don't you? You got something against Assembly of God? Foursquare had one. We'd, we'd buy theirs. I don't know. How about Awana? I don't know. Let's, let's do something. We are the answer. And while we sit at home watching television every night, guess who else is watching their game station or their television or prematurely? Oh, that's a wrong statement. It's never premature, I guess. Uh, but, um, you know, watching porn. Little boys getting on porn. All they have to do is open a computer, open their phone, open their iPad, open their Xbox. Sterling told me, Sterling moved to Ellensburg, you know, for a while. Sterling told me, 
uh, he watches television through his Xbox. I'm like, what in the world? You don't have... No, I just, I can do everything through Xbox. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. Guess what else he could watch? He could watch porn if he wanted to. So this is happening, and we are the answer. Team New Horizon is an answer to people all over this region. But we have to come together. We have to labor together. This is why the enemy wants so badly not only to keep us from gathering, but keep us from forming effective teams within our gathering. And it's not just maintaining the house, caring for the house, though every part of what we do here is valid, but it's everything that we could do in addition outside the house. But we've got to have that heart. We have to have that empty vessel heart, right? Find every empty vessel you can and fill those empty vessels. A church is actually a, church is actually a, a station of restoration so that as restored people, then we go forth with the message that we've received to restore others. That's, that's what a church is. And if we aren't doing that, then what are we doing? If we aren't doing that, we're missing the Great Commission. The Great Commission is still relevant in 2019. Go. Go and make disciples, right? Go and make disciples. And, and the preparation of, of the meal of the Lord, his word over us is still the same. Go into the highways and the byways. Well, well, we went to some, and they didn't want to. How many times have we had maybe on a team, on an outreach team, on a prison ministry team, on a healing team, uh, on a community team? We've had the experience of the phrase of that text that Jesus is talking about. Well, we went, and they didn't want to come, or we invited, and they weren't hungry, and, well, we said we had this. And so then, <laughs> and then in that passage, he's like, all right then, you know, if the good folks don't want it, <laughs> go to the highways and the byways, go to the lowest places, because my house will be filled, my table will be filled. Find anybody that's hungry and tell them there's food here. And compel them to come. And this is his word over us still today in 2019. I know, I know. We're thinking that we don't really have to do evangelism anymore. There's, we don't need teams rescuing. We don't need royal rangers. and We don't need that kind of stuff. We have Facebook now. We have Google now. We have, all we have to do is just fraud an advertisement, and the hungry people will come. Jesus didn't say that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus said we're supposed to go find the hungry and we're supposed to compel them to come. We're supposed to bring them. We're supposed to bring them. We're supposed to bring them. Second Corinthians five, seventeen through twenty one. How you doing, Team New Horizon? 
You're amazing. God is raising up such a powerful team right here. A prophetic team, a healing team, a signs and wonders team, a miracle working team, a dead raising team, a dead raising team, a dream fulfilling team. God is raising you up. God is raising. He's not done with the church. The church is not an ancient idea. It is the most relevant expression of goodness on the planet. God is raising us up. Amen? So many good things are coming. And he's developing uh, this heart with us. And we're bringing him a yes. 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 Oh, Holy Spirit. Uh, I found myself this week even convicted to just, I know this is going to sound funny, but to turn off the radio. I love music. I love talk radio. I love, you know, I love all this kind of stuff. But I found myself convicted a few times this week realizing that it's a brain binky. That when it's on, I'm not thinking. When it's on, I'm not thinking. So it's kind of, it's kind of binkyizing my brain. And I kind of, a few times this week, felt convicted that, that I needed to re-engage my thinker. And I, I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge us that we, that we would re-engage our thinker with the Lord of the harvest. What if the Lord of the harvest is trying to form these harvesting teams and pull us together as harvesters and give us harvesting strategy and harvesting ideas, even raising the dead, by the way, is a harvesting idea, because these people who then, you know, they learned that they were atheists, they got to hear a little bit about the goodness of God. So, so what if the Lord is trying to interrupt our thinking sometimes, but we have the brain binky on? We got earbuds in. Everywhere I go, people have earbuds in. They've got the new, uh, uh, you know, the new Apple things. They don't even have wires. And so you can't talk to one another anymore. But it, it isn't just that. Do we realize that we... We are satiating our brain with a binky that prohibits good thinking. So instead of looking to answers and looking for wisdom and kind of combing and searching the spirit and our inner man for answers and solutions, we're, we, we, got that, we got to be humming all the latest music or we got to be hearing the latest this or that. All right. Sorry. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, this is kind of a first generation. Uh, by the way, this is like first generation thinking and talking, right? All of this is from Christ. Now, now, these, these of that generation were actually contemporaries with Christ. And so, and Paul, 
the least contemporary, but present during the time of Christ, but then struck off of his donkey by a bright light and visited by the Lord himself. So this is very, very contemporary. They literally, they literally received reconciliation through Christ and the ministry of reconciliation through Christ, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message. So there's this, gener and he has committed to us, and he has committed. So they received from Christ, but he has committed to us. In other words, Paul's saying, now we're the generation that carries this message. As though God, as though God was making known, he's actually making known his appeal. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Who is God making his appeal through? Say it again. Yeah! Team New Horizon, he is making his appeal through you. And of course, we want to be doing that everywhere we go. We want to, we, we are his we are his representatives everywhere we go. Come on, amen. And so if you're on a fire call, uh, they serve as chaplains, you're on a fire call, you're out there uh, with Pierce County, uh, and you're doing your thing, and Pierce County's paying your bill, uh, you can still be a minister of reconciliation as though God were making his appeal through you. But how badly, in addition, do we need the corporate expression? I need this gathering right here. This feeds me. Does it feed you? Does it feed anybody else in this building? I need corporate prayer meetings. I need the prophetic team. I need, I need 10 of us to go on outreach. I, 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 we need corporate expression. Corporate expression is where strength is. That when we pull together, there's strength when we pull together. We, we, we've got to be forming teams. We have to be coming together in teams because it's not Lone Ranger Christianity and there's more power as we come together in teams to overcome the enemy. This is why Satan hates the church, why he hates unity, why he hates teams, why he tries to break up any kind of unified team is because there's power in those teams to accomplish kingdom business. You say amen. Now last week I said, and I was talking a little bit about, and I've only got a few minutes left. I'm doing really well though. Praise the Lord, we're gonna make it. This is early dismissal day, and that's virtually impossible for Dwayne and Joel to do. But we are somehow going to break the mold right here. Hallelujah. Last week I talked to you a little bit about one of the deterrents that Satan uses, part of how he sabotages team, how he sabotages church, how he sabotages unity, how he sabotages us coming together to labor together is that we have been, we have had in our midst now for almost, you know, 2,000 years, we have had planted in the church the martyr spirit. 
that there's not really a reward in this, that uh, there's not prosperity, there's not profit, there's not success, there's not, there's not grace in my labor, there's not that I, I have to do this because I love the Lord, but, but don't have an expectation. If I have an expectation, that's a wrong motive. And if I have a wrong motive, then God might cut my legs off. And so we got this whole thing going on where we don't really fully, because it's been preached to us so long and so hard, that we don't really associate the faith of a reward with God's calling on our life. So subconsciously, that keeps us from engagement, warfare, and involvement, because it's actually more profitable to watch the, the Home Remodel Network tonight than it is to go meet with those guys and, and take on fatherlessness. Let's take on fatherlessness. Let's find young boys in our community and let's, let's, let's teach them how to build a fire, how to work on a car, how to change oil. Let's teach them masculinity just because they get around the smell of boys stink. Let's play soccer with them. Let's grunt and burp. No tooting, just burp. So one of the huge deterrents is, uh, and I want to talk about it a little bit more in the next two minutes maybe. Because, because you see... Uh, if you don't believe that there's a reward of blessing and prosperity and increase and advancement attached to the calling of you being the church uh, and, and, and you walking as the church and you taking on the salt and light that you're called to, then that, that absence of faith can't exist in a vacuum. That absence of faith is actually, it's actually distrust. It's actually unbelief. It's actually fear. Uh, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It actually, it actually has a heartfelt reasoning attached to it. And so, uh, so distrust of God is what we could call it. It's not just, I don't believe that there's not a reward attached to this. I, I, I don't believe I should believe for a reward. Um, but, it, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. The distrust of the reward of God, the goodness of God, the blessing of God to radical faith and radical obedience will result in elevating your own way. Elevating your own path. Elevating self-preservation and self-determination and self-will. And, and I want to say to you with regard to that, you, you really don't know where you would be right now if you would have trusted God more fully and invested in kingdom business more wildly. I want to say to you, you've already missed a thousand opportunities. And you don't know how crazy amazing your life would actually be if you would have taken those 1,000 opportunities to invest in the kingdom more radically Because, because doubt and unbelief always justifies itself looking back. Because doubt and unbelief or distrust will always produce a lack of a harvest, and the lack of a harvest will justify itself. So when you get to 
the new destination where there's a lack of a harvest, then you look back and you say, oh, honey, it's a really good thing we didn't invest in that. It's a good thing we didn't give in to that. It's a good thing we didn't take our Tuesday nights and do that. It's a good thing we didn't uh, open that meeting. It's a good thing because look what happened to us. Look what we went through. Look what we've struggled with. Well, did it ever occur to you you've struggled with that and gone through that because you didn't invest? So the lack of a harvest justifies the failure to sow the seed. The seed of your service, the seed of your life, the seed of your heart, the seed of your investment, the seed of your money. So that's why I say you really don't know how crazy your life could have been at this moment. You also, you, you also don't know how crazy your life could be if you'll start to invest in the kingdom more radically, more wildly, more crazily right now. But I want to tell you that it will blow your mind. Now, this week, uh, I want to talk about this because uh, I'm burning up point number two right now. But I wanted to talk about this because I had, uh, I had a roofer come out to the house to look at a roof problem that I have on the new house. So he shows up, and I knew him. My goodness sakes, I knew him. I didn't know that I knew him. And so he shows up, and I knew this guy. And so he starts telling me about a friend, a mutual friend that used to attend New Horizon. And this mutual friend was a multimillionaire, and this mutual friend had, like, you know, just money like you can't believe, but the mutual friend uh, was not fully invested in kingdom things. And really, the mutual friend kind of parted from New Horizon because of a new adventure with a woman he wasn't married to. And I tried to reel that back in the best I could, and... Um, Anyway, in the process, what happened is uh, in separating more so from New Horizon, there was, uh, and then adjoining himself to this gal that he never got married to, eventually what happened is uh, she left him, and because he had $2 million coming from businesses that he had sold, she was able, through her legal team to clean out his bank account of 700000 So she left the relationship with $700,000. So that left him broke, but he had the $2 million coming in from these businesses that he sold. But just when she got her 700000 he discovered that the guy that he sold the businesses to was going to default on everything. He had never paid his taxes. He owed the state over $2 million. And he left all of it and moved to Cuba. And now he's broke. I'm just telling you that to say that sometimes when you think you're really, you're really doing something big, you got it figured out financially. If it, in, if it involves not investing in the kingdom, be careful. Because kingdom investment, living this life that you're living, pouring yourself into the house of God and the kingdom of God like you're doing right now is the most assured, the most secure, the most amazing, the most wonderful thing that you could do. You're actually doing something right now that is producing and you have the opportunity before you to do more of this that will actually produce an amazing harvest for you. The Lord maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. 
I got three minutes to give you point number two of how the enemy wants to sabotage. I believe one of the ways the enemy wants to sabotage the teamwork of the kingdom, the advancement of the kingdom, the heart for the kingdom is withhold the fort thinking. Most of us have not been raised with the, the understanding that the kingdom is advancing. We've actually been raised with this rapture kind of thinking that actually has given us this thought inwardly that the kingdom is actually shrinking. We're only going to win in the end and that we really can't expect God to do much anyway than just save a couple souls on our way to the murk of the beast and destruction. But if the rapture takes place, we might get out of here right before all of that happens. I want to just encourage you that that is not the biblical perspective of this house or of this church, and I don't even think it's the biblical perspective that God wants you to have. And we don't have time to go into all of that, but, but I, I really believe that the enemy uses a lot of that theology to subconsciously sabotage your faith to engage with culture, with society, with the church, with the kingdom, with teams, and to build something great. Because subconsciously, even a great prayer meeting, you're not really sure if God's going to do that after all. Because things are supposed to get worse, and if things are supposed to get worse, maybe that's what we should rejoice in. So the average evangelical Christian, as they see anything in life where it's getting worse, we're all expecting chips somewhere so that we don't have money anymore because that's part of the coming of the market. We have all of this stuff going on, and we, we have a confusion, and we're, we're like bipolar Christians. On one side, uh, we think we want the kingdom to grow. We want to save somebody. But on the other side, we think it's all going to get worse. It's all going down the tubes and, and we're just we're going to get raptured out at the end, and then after seven years, Jesus is going to come back on a white horse and fix it all. And I wish we had time this morning to share with you that I don't think that that's the way it's going to come down. But stick around. Bye. Let's stand. I want all of the leads, leaders to go to your stations. We're going we're gonna to close this morning with worship music uh, over the sound system. And then we want, you, we want you to come up and hug Nathan French, by the way. And we want you to run around and get to these stations and fellowship and meet one another. Uh, and, and we want, I'm going to pray over you in just a minute. I want you to have a yes to the kingdom building, a holy yes within you. I, I want you this week to turn off every brain binky um, and just be cooperating with the Spirit. I want you to be thinking about boys that don't have fathers. I, I want you thinking about uh, a, a millionaire that lost everything because he didn't invest in the kingdom. And, and now he's, he's just on a disability and just working a little bit part-time. I want you to think about how good God is and that every time, every time our team comes together, every time the church gathers, every time uh, he puts something in your heart, every time there's the drawing of the Spirit upon you, it's not just for him that he's doing it, but it's for you. He's prospering you.
He's blessing you. He's going to use it to sow seeds for your own future. And that as you invest in the supreme kingdom of God, that he's going to bless you. And that if you build his house, he really will build yours. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. The fact is I want the prayer team to come up, a couple of the altar workers that aren't busy on the station.